Philippians. It's kind of different from the other epistles of Paul because one thing, I don't know that he really rebukes the Philippian church on anything. He warns them about a few things, but I don't know that he, he doesn't have anything to straighten them out on. Uh, look at Philippians first chapter. I believe this is on the second missionary journey uh, that this church is established. Paul and Timotheus, that's Timothy, the servants of Jesus Christ, notice, notice he puts Timothy on the same level as himself, both of them servants. To all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi with the bishops and the deacons. Uh, this verse has been greatly abused by Catholics because look what you've got here to the saints in Christ Jesus. He's not talking about those saints of the Catholic Church. Not at all. And then he says, uh, with, with the bishops and deacons. I don't know, I've made a point on this on Facebook not too long ago. There is a, a Catholic priest that puts up stuff on Facebook. And uh, I conflicted with him. He said, the letters of Justin Martyr from the second century was describing the Catholic Mass. And I put on there, in no way, shape, matter, or form is that describing a Catholic Mass. There was no Catholic Church and there was no Catholic Mass. And you read it. I've got it back there in my library. There's nothing close to a Catholic Mass there. But they lie. Amen. Now they got bishops and deacons. I think it was Albert Barnes who's a Presbyterian. I believe he's the one who said... Uh, that well in the next century or so that, that bishops uh, became an advanced preacher. He didn't, that's not his terms, that's my terms. But he said, but the New Testament did not do that. A bishop, that's the word, Greek word, episkopos, overseer. That's what a pastor is. And deacon, diakonos, is a servant of the church. That says to the bishops and deacons. I don't know that there was more than one church at Philippi 
at this time. But it is true that many of them had multiple pastors and certainly multiple deacons. Uh, now there's a group out of Texas. Uh, I even met them and was with them in uh, Warsaw, Poland. One of them even came by here and preached one time. They're Baptist, but they they believe and missionaries can only go out two by two. I said, well, I'd like to take a stance on that. If you've got enough of them to do it, I think it's great. If you can send two missionaries and their families to the same place, man, what a wonderful, we barely can get one. But anyway, they make that, that's a mandate for them. I don't think it, you can do it scripturally, but there were multiple pastors. The church at Jerusalem had more than one. Well, they got real large. And I think that's the justification for that. But at any rate, that's all that's talking about. And any time you read any kind of church history, especially church history, but Baptist history, you don't have any problem with Baptist history. Baptist historians don't do that. But church history, uh, and there's a lot of church history books that are worth reading, but you have to understand they're not Baptist. And most of them don't like Baptist. And they don't, they don't print anything that is complimentary to Baptists. They do everything that's against them. But they will talk about bishops. When those old, old writings and letters talk about bishops, they will let it go down as like Catholic bishops, advanced preachers, preachers that have authority over other preachers. And there ain't no such animal in the New Testament. So keep that in mind. Hold your place right there and go to Acts 16. And we are talking about the church of Philippi. Acts 16. Now this is on the second missionary journey of the apostle Paul. Then came he to, to Derby. And Lystra, now, in the ladies' class, I know we went over all, no, it was almost Friday nights we've been over that. The, the missionary journeys of Paul, didn't we? Yeah. And behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus, the son of a certain woman, which was a Jewess, and believed, but his father was a Greek. Well, here's where we find out about Timothy. And then Paul mentions Timothy there uh, in the first verse of Philippians 1. Uh, which was well, uh, his father was of Greek, well reported of by the brethren that were at Lystra and Iconium. Him would Paul have to go forth with him and took and circumcised him because of the Jews which were in those quarters, for they knew all that his father was a Greek. <clears throat> Paul didn't do that in order to teach salvation necessary or circumcision necessary for salvation. He did that for an expedience 
to get along with the Jews there for that time. There was another occasion he wouldn't allow it because of the religion about it. The hymn would Paul have to go forth with him, took a circle. Yeah. And as they went, verse 4, as they went through the cities, they delivered them the decrees for to keep that were ordained of the apostles and elders which were at Jerusalem. And so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily. Now when they had gone throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. That's Asia Minor. After they were come to Mysia, they assayed to go into Bithynia, which is in the northern part of Asia Minor. But the Spirit suffered them or allowed them not. And they, passing by Mysia, came down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night, and there stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. So that's where Paul gets his leadership of the Holy Spirit is in that vision. I don't want you going to northern Asia Minor, to Bithynia, but I want you to come to Macedonia. Okay? And so a vision, there, uh, verse 10. And after you'd seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia. Assuredly, gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Therefore, loosing from Troas, uh, they're in a boat or a raft. We came with a straight course to Samothracia, and the next day to Neapolis. Uh, that's just two Greek words, means a new city. And from thence to Philippi. Finally got to Philippi. All right. Well, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia and a colony, and we were in that city abiding certain days. Now, Macedonia is a country. Philippi was the chief city of that country, and it was a colony. Here's what a colony was. Uh, not like our colonies. A colony was a city or a country that was controlled totally by the Roman Empire. And it was populated by Roman citizens. And that's what Philippi was. All right? Now, the name Philippi came from Philip the Macedonian, who was the father of Alexander the Great. So, you see the background of the city of Philippi. It's not a Jewish city. There's not a Jewish synagogue there. They're all Gentiles. And on the Sabbath, we went out of the city by a riverside where prayer was wont to be made or was often to be made. And we sat down and spake unto the women which resorted thither. Resorted means that that's where they came to. They came there. And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira. Well, Thyatira is back across the Aegean Sea to Asia Minor. That's one of the seven, church, seven churches of Asia Minor in Re Revelation 2 and 3. So Thyatira. And that's where this woman was from 
but she wasn't in Thyatira. She was all the way across the Aegean Sea. I've been across that sea. Beautiful place over there. Anyway, uh, but all the way across the Aegean Sea, we, it's, it's a pretty good-sized place. We were in a big, on a big ferry boat. I forget how, long, how big it was, about 750 foot. Big boat. And, I mean, big diesel engines. And they ran that thing all night, getting from Greece to Italy. And I mean, he put it in the wind. It was so. It's a big old. I mean, it's a big sea, the Aegean Sea. Uh, anyway, the next one over on the other side of Italy is the Adriatic. Uh, but anyway, that's where she was from. Was Thyatira, but she's in Philippi. Well, she's a seller of purple. Uh, I don't know all of the details about that, but that dye, purple dye, was very expensive. So she was a merchant lady, and uh, she was selling purple, and she worshipped God. Well, she must have been a Jew. Anyway, she heard, uh, heard us, she heard us preach, whose heart the Lord opened. That she attended unto the things which were spoken by over by Paul. So this woman is listed as the first European convert. Now over in Asia Minor, you're in Asia. In Philippi, you're in extreme southern Europe. Because uh, the Macedonia and Greece... It's connected. You go right up through them, through Bulgaria, through Romania, through Hungary, up into either the Czech Republic or Austria. You're all over Europe right there. So you're in on the European continent. So she, she's, uh, as far as we know, the first convert in Europe. All right. Uh, and when she was baptized... Well, Paul's teaching, you know. He's a missionary in her household. And she besought us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. So she provided them a place to live, uh, stay. Well, I don't want to read all this. I'm take up all my time here. Uh, over in verse... Let's see. At any rate, in the rest of this chapter, verse 25, they put Paul and Silas in jail. This was after, well, I didn't read it all, but the multitude rose up together against them because they... They put, put the witches out of business. And so they tried to kill them. They put them in prison. Verse 22, the, they ran off their clothes and commanded to beat them. They laid many stripes on them. They cast them into prison. Uh, and there they uh, told the jailer to keep them safely, who hadn't received such a charge 
thrust through them into the inner prison. They're down, they're down Stinkville. And made their feet fast in the stocks. Well, we know what stocks are. They used to had them here. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. Now, I'm guaranteeing you, there ain't a whole lot of Americans that could, could identify with that. There might be a handful, and that's about all. The way Paul and Silas have been treated, they've been beat half to death. Now they're in, in prison, dark dungeon prison, with their feet in stocks, and no telling their backs are bleeding and everything else, where they've been whipped. And they're singing at midnight and praying. And the prisoners heard them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. Immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's bands were loosed. So the keeper of the prison, awakened out of his sleep, and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. Because he was going to have to suffer a lot if he let those prisoners go. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light, sprang in, came trembling, and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. And so we've heard this many times. They spake unto him the word of the Lord. And to all that were in his house, he took them the same hour of the night, washed their stripes, was baptized, he and all his, his straightway. That's immediately. When he brought them into his house, he set meat before them, rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. That means everybody that was a believer in his house. And when it was day, the magistrate sent the charges, saying, Let those men go. And the keeper of the prison told this saying to Paul, The magistrates have sent to let you go. Now therefore depart and go in peace. But Paul said unto them, They have beaten us openly, uncondemned, being Romans, and have cast us into prison. And now do they thrust, throw us out priv privately? Nay, verily, but let them come themselves and fetch us out. See, people act like that Paul just gave in to everything. He used his, his Roman citizenship here. And we've got a right to do it here in the United States of America. We've got a constitution. We've got Bill of Rights. We've got a right to use them. And don't let any preacher tell you you can't. Because they'll tell you you can't. And the sergeant told these words to the magistrates, and they feared when they heard that they were Romans. See, this is a colony. A Roman colony, and these people have all of the rights of Roman citizens. They are Roman citizens. And they came and besought them, and brought them out, and desired them to depart out of the city. And they went out of the prison, and entered the house of Lydia, and when they had seen the brethren, they comforted them and departed. And so they left. In the next chapter, down where they passed through Amphipolis. Now here's what I want to say about this. Paul made a couple of other entrances into Philippi. I don't know at what point he started the church, but that's how the church at Philippi got started. All right. And as I said before, he doesn't rebuke the church for anything. And it looks like one of the first members of that church 
would be Lydia and her family. And whoever she had influence on. That she witnessed to. Plus, the jailer and his family. Well, we've started missions with less, less people than that. So, I'm telling you about the formulation of the church at Philippi. All right, so now he says in chapter 1, verse 2. Grace be to you and peace. And if you don't get grace, you don't get peace. From God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. So, I don't know how much Paul has been with them, but not a whole lot because he's traveling, doing his work. But he says, the remembrance of them. If you see over in chapter 4, they really stuck with Paul. They supported him. He said, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you always and every prayer of mine for you all making request with joy. Well, that's one of the key words of Philippians, the book of Philippians. Look at verse 18. I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. Verse 25, and the furtherance and joy of faith. Verse 26, that you rejoice may be more abundant. Chapter 2, verse 2. My joy, fulfill you my joy. Uh, Verse 16, rejoice in the day of Christ. Verse 17, I joy and rejoice with you all. Verse 18, for the same cause also do you joy and rejoice with me. Verse 28 of chapter 2, you may rejoice. Verse 1 of chapter 3, finally my brethren rejoice in the Lord. Verse 3, uh, which worship God in the Spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus. And then he says in chapter 4, in verse 1, he said, Dearly beloved, and long for my joy and crown. Then verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice. In verse 10, but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. What kind of an attitude is Paul in? <laughs> but he's in prison here. Now, some say maybe he was in prison Caesarea, but I don't think so. I think he's in prison at Rome when he writes this letter. Uh, let's see. Here's one reason, I think. So look back at chapter 4, verse 22. 21. Salute every saint in Christ Jesus. He ain't talking about dead saints. The brethren which are with me greet you. All the saints salute you. Those Catholic saints don't salute you and you don't greet them. They're dead. They don't make them saints till after they're dead. Many times, hundreds of years after they're dead. But he says, 22, all the saints salute you. Chiefly they that are of Caesar's household. Paul's done made inroads from prison into the household of Caesar and God saved people. He said the saints of God in the Caesar's household. <laughs> Pretty good, isn't it? Anyway. Verse 5 of chapter 1. He said, I'm thanking God 
for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Well, that's been the focal point is the gospel. And that word fellowship is the same word uh, koinonia. Anyway, being confident of this very thing. Now, I don't know how much doctrine these people knew, but they obviously knew some. I hear preachers say, oh, well, well that's, that's too much for those people. You can't give them that much. No. Do what? You know what I believe? I believe you can give God's people every word of God. Now, I can't do it all at one time. I got to take it in short spurts. But I don't think there's anything in the book that I can't preach, especially if I'm going through a book and verse per verse. What is it that I got to hold back? How else do you teach them if you don't instruct them and give them what the Lord says? Now, that's, that's, that's made up from uh, Armenians that all they think about is getting somebody else down the aisle. And most time that's phony. Anyway, Paul said being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, I think that's kind of a eternal security assurance there, among other things. But Paul didn't tell them, well, I'm glad you all decided for the Lord. You hear that from preachers, but you don't hear that from Paul. He said, I'm confident of this, that he which hath begun a good work in you. That is the work, the calling, the regeneration, the enlightening of the Holy Spirit. Amen. He which hath begun, who began the work? Did you begin it? Or did God begin it? He which hath begun. Who's going to keep the work going? Will you or God? That verse tells it all, doesn't it? And these are probably not real, real old seasoned Christians. Believers. But he's given them the truth. Even as it is meet or suitable for me. To think this of you all, because I have you in my heart in as much as both in my bonds, he's in prison, and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, ye all are partakers of my grace. The same grace I am partaker of, you are. For God is my record how greatly I long after you all. In the bowels of Jesus Christ. That's his heart's desire and his prayer to God for them. He wants to see them. And this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. Well, the more knowledge of the word of God you get, the better judgment you've got. Amen. That you may approve things that are excellent. 
that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. Well, what about after that day? Well, after that day, folks, we'll be with the Lord. And don't have to worry about it. We'll be in our new, new bodies. And won't be any, won't be any such things there. But anyway, he says uh, that you may approve things that are excellent. Now that word for approve there can be used like an assayer. You bring your gold ore to him. And he assays it and tells you how much actual gold you've got there. He proves things. He says, so that you may approve things that are excellent, that you may be sincere. Boy, if there's anything we don't need, is insincerity. Hypocrisy. It's abundant. It is abundant. And without offense till the day of Christ. Yes, we must stand for the truth of God's word. But we must not offend in the flesh. Now, if the truth of God's word offends, that's God's business. But we must not get our flesh in the way that we offend. We need to be concerned about other people. Look over here at chapter 2 and verse 4. I'll get back on that again. But This ought to be memorized by every child of God. He says, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Now that does not say that you're not to take care of your own business. That's how I've heard people say that it does. Look not on your own things. But he said, but also on the things of others. Also means your things and things of others. We're not to be so self-centered that we don't consider other people. That we don't consider how we affect other people, especially in the name of the Lord. When we are identified as a child of God, we're in a different category. I I hate to uh, burst anybody's balloon, but uh, once you are identified as a child of God by faith in Christ Jesus... You ain't in the same position that you used to be in. And you're in a different category than everybody else. Unless they also are identified as you are. But you see this, you're in a different category. People look at you entirely different than they did before you got identified with Christ. They really do. Y'all should know that. I think you probably do. But that's exactly the truth. And I'm preaching this to me as I am anybody else. I got to watch what kind of effect I have on lost people. 
I must not offend in my flesh. Now, people got offended at Christ. They got offended at Paul. Uh, so much so that it killed them all. So it's not that they didn't offend. What offended people was the truth of God's word. That's what offended. Not my stinking attitude. Not my bad attitude. And that's what he said. That we be without offense in sincerity and without offense till the day of Christ. Being filled with the fruits of righteousness. Now in Galatians he talked about the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And I think the fruits of righteousness will parallel the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5. Love, joy, peace, uh, gentleness, goodness, long-suffering, faith. Uh, I think those will be the same, pretty much the same, as the fruits of righteousness. And those are by Jesus Christ, and all of that is unto the glory and praise of God. When we demonstrate those fruits in our lives. It's to the praise of the glory of God in Jesus Christ. But I would ye, you all should understand, brethren, that the things which have happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. Now what Paul is doing, he's explaining to these young believers His situation. Well, you got to stop and think about it. If they came and picked the old boy up and took him to jail for what he's preaching, beat him, put him in jail, a lot of people say, well, what kind of a man am I following, am I going with? So Paul is explaining himself. Why are you in jail? You've been beaten. People hate you. You're in stocks. He says that the things which have happened unto me have fallen out. Which way did they go? They fell out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel and you can see the, some of the extent of that by that back in chapter 4. The saints of God in Caesar's household greet you. Paul has done nothing in jail but preach the gospel. Look at the effect he's had. The Lord's using. Well, there's another verse I wanted to look over the book of Esther. Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, and Job. <clears throat> now you know the, the account here that Esther 
becomes the queen of Ahasuerus in Persia. And what she is called on to do by Mordecai the Jew because the Jews are in bad trouble because of what Haman did and caused the king to decree. And so, though she is the queen now, yet she can't just go to the king and say anything she wants to. So in verse 14 of chapter 4, Verse 13, then Mordecai commanded to answer Esther, think not with thyself that thou shalt escape in the king's house more than all the Jews. He's telling Esther, if this thing goes down, you're still a Jew. And you're not going to get, it's going to get you just like it will the rest of us. And then he says, verse 14, For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, don't say anything to the king about what he's doing, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. God's going to deliver them from someplace else. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And who knoweth, Esther, whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? And it turns out that's exactly what happened. She came to the kingdom for such a time as this. And that's why they, the Jews still celebrate Hanukkah uh, because of the deliverance. Esther is a big name there for him, Mordecai and Esther. But he said, this thing is falling out. All this tragedy on me, it's falling out rather to the furtherance of the gospel. So that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the powers. There we see. And in all other places. And many of the brethren in the Lord waxing confident. Waxing means growing. Confident by my bonds are much more bold to speak the word without fear. So not only has my witnessing, preaching been effective, many others have been made bold by my situation. So that's the first thing of Philippians. Wonderful book. Well, they all are, but just especially great things there. All right, may the Lord bless you.